Welcome back to our Total Sense Bite Size episodes. I'm Tom Hensky, and I'm here to help parents teach their kids about money. Today, I'll be preparing you for your next money dinner time conversation with your kids. In this short episode, I'll give you a few questions to help prompt the conversation. Nothing more, just some helpful questions to ask, and I'll also give you some of the responses you're likely to hear. This should be enough to help pique their curiosity about money. You are simply stopping the trend of money being a taboo topic in the household. You're not trying to claim that you're money smart yourself. You're not trying to make them a financial guru. You're just getting the conversation going to open their minds. Let's jump right in. Welcome to our episode on exposing them to investing. Now, when most parents go down this road of trying to teach their kids about investing, it ends up at them buying individual stocks, which is not the place I think that we should start here. You have to teach them to walk before they can run. This whole concept of let's pick a winner before they have any foundation of investing principles just doesn't make sense. It's kind of like if you were going to teach a kid to play basketball. Think about it. You wouldn't teach them to dunk before you would teach them to actually dribble the basketball. I'm a financial advisor, have been one for 27 years, and I can tell you I don't even buy individual stocks for myself. And I think that really says it all. Learning about individual stocks is the sizzle, it's just not the steak. What I want you to think about when you go into this conversation with your kids is the word buckets. That's right, buckets of money as they pertain to diversification of different goals and objectives, or diversifying buckets of securities, like mutual funds or ETFs. Now, before you have this conversation with the kids, I think it's important that you print out not only the cheat sheet that you use that has the questions that you'll ask during this conversation, but there are a few pictures that I think are gonna help along the chat. Also, one of the things you might wanna have handy is a copy of either their 529 college savings plan, if they have one, or even your retirement plan from work. So let's just jump right in. You're going to set the stage with this conversation by saying this. Let's do a quick recap of our last conversation on compound interest. Do you remember that one? Interest on your interest. Do you remember we were talking about the rule of 72 at our last dinner? Remind everyone how that works and give them the chance to answer, divide 72 by your expected rate of return and your money doubles in that amount of years. Now that they've got that lesson down, you'll go with this. So it might have occurred to you during that conversation that the higher the rate of return that you get, the quicker your money is going to double. So think about that. It's going to take 72 years for your money to double at 1%, but it's only going to take seven years for your money to double at 10%. If you invest it properly and get higher rates of return, your money is going to double quicker. So now we go into step one, which you know we like is always keep it big picture. The first question you're going to start with is this. What is the difference between saving and investing? People struggle with this one. Saving, I want you to reserve when you're talking about the act of actually putting money aside. Whereas investing is going to be where you take that money and put it from there to get a higher rate of return. Second question, how do you get a higher rate of return? and stop and just let them struggle a little bit and think through it. What you're eventually trying to get to is this phrase, high risk equals high return, low risk equals low return. 
you want them to burn that mantra in their head that they'll take with them through adulthood to really understand what risk and reward is. Here's the next question. Step two, now we're going to drive home the points of risk and time. The question we'll start with here, what are the factors that you have to consider before you take on any risk as it pertains to managing your money? What you hope that they're going to say is, well, first, the risk involved. And they're right. You need to answer the question, do I want to be aggressive? You can handle the ups and downs of the market, or as they say, go big or go home. Or do you want to be more conservative, meaning uh, a little less volatility? The old, I don't want to put all my eggs in one basket. The second component of this is going to be time horizon. And this is when I'm talking about buckets, what I mean. Different pots of money that you'll have will have different purposes that you'll need at different points in your life. The way I'm going to ask you to position this with your kids is three buckets. The first bucket, we're going to call money now. The second bucket, we're going to call money later. And the third bucket, we're simply going to call money much later. Money now is money that they need, like I said, now. Movies, eating out with their friends, buying gifts. Those are things that are gonna be liquid, safe, because you're gonna need the money shortly. Money later isn't that you need it right now, but you have plans for it that you're going to need it in the not so distant future. Kids really think about that in terms of two or three years. Money much later is exactly like it sounds, much later. Now, I wanna preface this by saying, when adults think about money much later, retirement pops into our brain. Kids are not able to think about retirement in their teens and tweens. For kids, this could be, well, maybe someone who wants to buy a car later on or even have a down payment for their first apartment or house that they're going to buy. So money now, money later, money much later. Those are the three buckets. So now we're going to play doctor. Here's the question you'll ask. If you were a medical doctor, would you ever give a prescription to a patient without asking them questions about their situation first? They're going to give you a one-word answer which is no. They're smart enough to know they would never prescribe medicine without asking questions. But then you're going to follow up with this key question. If you were a money doctor, what questions would you ask a client before giving them a recommendation or prescription? Now this is hopefully going to tie in the earlier part of the conversation with risk tolerance and time horizon. Now you'll have some kids that are really off the charts smart who will bring up things like taxes and things like that. But I think as long as you're hearing risk tolerance and time horizon, you've accomplished what you needed to here. Next, you'll go in and you'll say this. Let's go through these two scenarios and see what type of recommendations you would make based on these two very different situations. The first, you meet somebody, they have $18,000 that they're going to need to use for college next year. What things are you thinking about? And you stop and you have a dialogue. The second situation you'll give them is this. A seventh grader received $1,000 that they're not planning on using until they buy their first car in 12th grade. That's a different set of circumstances because the time horizon has generally gone up from there. Here we go with step three. This is where you're finally going to introduce asset classes to answer the question, where do I put the money? Now, take out one of those pictures that you printed out, the one that's titled Investment Pyramid Picture. Got it? Great. Don't let them see it yet. Hold it close to you until after you ask this question, which is, 
Have you ever heard of any types of investments that people use to make money on their money? You're going to get two answers right away. The first is going to be the bank and the savings account. The second will be stocks. For some reason, that's what kids know. You're highly unlikely to get the word bonds or real estate, but you might get cryptocurrency because that's something that the kids now, Bitcoin and, and things of that nature that they know about. Now, take out that pyramid, turn it around and show it to them. You'll see at the base of that pyramid has foundational stable assets like cash, CDs, money market accounts. What you're trying to get them to understand that the foundation of any investment portfolio starts there. And as you move up the triangle or the pyramid, you're going to add things like bonds and then a little bit higher stocks, things that are more risk, but more return, high risk, high return, low risk, low return. And at the very tippy top are going to be speculative investments like cryptocurrency or gold. Now what you're going to do is take out the other picture titled the periodic table of investment returns. I love this one. I use it with clients all the time. And the kids really seem to understand what's going on because it's a picture. Now it's 20 years of returns and each asset class has a small box and a color associated with it. And every year you can see how the order of who was on top and who was on bottom changes. It's basically teaching kids to diversify because they don't know what asset class will be the highest performer versus the lowest performer in any given year. Now, Find your favorite color and have them track it over the 20 years to see how it bounces around. And that diagram coupled with the pyramid is really 80% of what they need to know to make good investment decisions in their adult life. My feeling is that if they use just those two pictures, the pyramid and the periodic table, they're going to have about 80% of the intel that they need to make good investment decisions later in life. Now. Step four, you're finally going to answer their question, okay, I get it, but where do I actually put the money? The theme that I want you to have in step four is about mutual funds and ETFs, not individual securities or individual stocks. Here's what you're going to ask them. Let me pose this question to you. Right now, you have six classes at school that you're taking, right? And they'll say, yes. And you'll say, okay, school starts at eight o'clock in the morning and goes to three o'clock in the afternoon. That's seven hours, right? And they'll say, sure. If the school announced today that they're now going to go to 12 classes and this is going to be a 14 hour school day, how would you feel about that? Duck, because the conversation is really gonna take a turn. You're going to have some kids that are not happy that they have to go to school for 14 hours. Well. You're doing this for a reason. And say, okay, well, that, obviously we were joking around, but now let me ask you a different question. Would that be any different that when you get into your real world, you graduate college and you get your first job, instead of working 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., which is eight hours a day, which people consider to be the normal workday, what would happen if you started at 9 a.m. and you went to 1 a.m., which is now 16 hours? How would that make you feel? And let them answer that. What, here's what you're trying to get at. You're trying to get at that they are not going to have the time or the energy to have their job job and then take on a second job, which is being an investment analyst that you would need to buy all the individual stocks 
to decide when to buy, decide when to sell, decide what the economy is doing and how your portfolio is going to react to that, as opposed to just buying buckets of stocks and buckets of bonds through mutual funds and ETFs and putting them together and looking at that periodically. You're just trying to leave this part of the conversation that they understand that the whole idea of spending time and energy researching individual stocks, while it might be fun today, is just not realistic when they get into their real life. The message that we're trying to send our kids is that when they get into the real world and they get their first job, their time is going to be consumed by that new career. They are not on top of that going to have time to research individual stocks and bonds to make up their portfolio. Step five, we're here. Bring it back to real life. Here's the question you'll ask. How do you think you'll use this information when you start your adult life? Now, if you really want to drive this conversation home, take out a copy of your 401k or your retirement plan and show it to them. Or take out a copy of their 529 college savings plan and show it to them. It takes a lot of courage, but it's the type of thing that makes them feel good because you've brought them in the inner circle of the family finances and makes them feel grown up. Now, let's end the conversation by saying this. There's a famous saying in investing that goes, never make a killing, never get killed. That means by diversifying your investment choices like you saw in the pictures, you'll never have all your eggs in one basket. I hope you enjoyed our episode of Total Sense. A special thank you goes out to Verso Studios at the Westport Library. Tune in for our next Money Chat.